0: All right. Well, good to see everybody here at Legacy as well as all of our other campuses. I'm uh, really, really glad that you're here today. And when I say our other campuses, today is a really unique day because we are opening a new campus today in San Antonio. So I'm about to say, "Welcome, Chase Oaks." No, hold, hold, hold that. I want you to save the energy because I'm about to say. Welcome Chase Oaks San Antonio for the you know first time this weekend, and I want us all to go crazy. All right, so here we go. Welcome, you go crazy like that. This is when you clap. All right, <laughs> welcome Chase Oaks San Antonio. All right, that was good. That was good. And if you know people in San Antonio, let them know. And for those of you who are at that campus, we are so happy uh, that you're uh, that you're hanging out today and, and potentially part of this church family. And it'll be really exciting to see what God not only is doing, it already is exciting, but to see what he will do in that city uh, because of you and uh, is, is going to be awesome. Um, so today we are continuing this series we're in, uh, which is called Uniquely You, about finding your why, living into our unique purpose. Because it's not just that God has some general purposes for us. He also has very specific purposes for our life. And he shaped us for that. And and when I think about that, it's easy for easiest place for me to go is to think, okay, that means God wants to do things through my life. Or there's some things that he shaped me and crafted me in order to make a unique contribution in terms of what I accomplish and what I can do. And that's true. That's a huge part of what we're going to be talking about in this series. In fact, the rest of the series after today is going to be about that. So all of us hopefully will be at a much clearer place to say, You know what? I think I'm on this planet for that. But in terms of what God wants to do through us. But today we're actually talking about something in the purposes of God, even more important than that. What we do, it's who we become, not just what we accomplish, not just what he wants to do through us, but what he wants to do in our lives, that God has a purpose for you and me, a better version of you and me that he invites us to become and uh, in and we're going to talk about how that works. We just heard the song, I want to get better, you know, and I by the bleachers and it's a great song, but I should, we should have warned everybody that, Hey, this is going to get stuck in your head if you come to church this weekend. So some of you're going to be walking down a hallway at school or in a business meeting this week or something. And, and it'll just come out, you know, be like, I want to get better, better, better and people are like, what are you doing? You know? Oh, sorry. You know? Uh, and I do that every, if I hear that on the radio or in these services, I know I'll be doing it this week. It's catchy, but it's not just catchy. At least with me, it resonates. I want to get better because I really do want to get better. And I know people who are way better than me. And uh, and, and I they're just so impressive. And in terms of their joy and their fulfillment and their solidity and their relationships. And it's like, man, I don't want to be like you when I grow up one day and I want to get better. Right. They make me want to get better. And. Uh, the wonderful news is, is God wants us to get better. We're going to talk about how and, and speaking about getting better. Uh, some of you notice I have a golf club and uh, just use as an illustration of getting better because this is one of those areas. You know, I've spent a lot of time trying to get better at golf. In fact, I remember the first time I started playing golf, um, I decided it'd be a great idea to hit golf balls into the crowd. Really stupid because um, you know, I, I was just learning how to play the game. And the good news for those of you here on the front row is I am better. Um, and uh, but you may want to strengthen your prayer life. Really? Not like now. Um, there's little release forms under your seats, too. But uh, uh, it just in case I hit a thin shot. But I thought, why not do it again? Pull this out again and see if it's any better. And I'm going to I'm going to try for those of you who are campuses. I'm actually trying to hit our camera that goes to the campuses. So. Uh, here, let's see what happens. I don't know if you can see that or not in the camera. Let's try it again. That was a little weak. Well, uh, that got into a... Sorry about that, whoever that was. I'm sure God loves you. And... Okay, that's good enough, right? So, um I, I have spent a lot of time trying to get better. Thank you, Mom. And I, uh, I, I finally realized after a while that all I was doing by trying to get better on my own with golf, because I would go hit, you know, hundreds of balls, all I was doing is getting really good at being bad. Because, you know, there were flaws in my golf swing, right? So I was just practicing a bad swing enough to where I got really good at hitting a bad swing. And I could repeat a bad swing anytime I wanted, because I had honed it. I had practiced a bad swing. And and it was obvious To me after a while, because my son, Colin, my oldest son was learning how to play golf at the same time, too. He was in junior high when I started to play golf. And so we started together and and yet he got on the golf team in high school. He also had a swing coach. We could not afford two swing coaches. So he got the swing coach. Well, a swing coach isn't just going to let you get better at being bad. They know what the swing should look like. So they'll say, hey, look, stop that. (laughs) Like, don't ever do that again. What you're doing right now is not good. You don't want to you don't want to practice that. Let's practice it this way. And he got now he's more talented, <laughs> but he also had coaching. Right. And a lot of help to say, hey, let me help you get really better. Not just good at hitting, not good at being bad, but actually good at being good. And similar in, in life, like we all want to get better. At least I do. You know, there's things that we'd love to be better in our life. And you and I can get better on our own. Self-improvement and so on. And there's lots of ways and things we can do to make our life better. No, to be sure. But we can only, I believe, go so far on our own compared to what God wants to do. Because a lot of us getting better on our own is really sort of getting better at being not so great. Uh, what God wants to do is fundamental change, like change from the inside out, transformative change. That he, our creator, God of universe, has a vision for your life and mine. Sin and all this brokenness in our world has changed that, has marred that. And he wants to create in us what he originally intended. Like there's a purpose for you and me in terms of who we become. So how does that work? And how would I really become better And with God, not just as my coach, but actually as an internal transformer? How does that work? What does that look like? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to do that by looking in this New Testament book called Philippians called that because there was a city called Philippi that uh, Paul, who wrote the book, um, had he'd started this church there. So he knew these people like he'd spent a lot of time with these people, but now he was pretty distant. He was far away, hundreds of miles away. And he gets a report of what's going on in the church. And some of it's really encouraging and some of it's not. Some ways they need to get better. And one of those ways they needed to get better is they weren't getting along with each other. And, you know, right now in our culture, there's a a lot of people having a hard time getting along with each other all over our culture. And so we could probably learn from what he says about that and specifically. But generally, he's just going to talk about, hey, you know, there's some things that need to be better. Let's talk about how to get better. And so through the book, we get a lot about how to do that in the in the very first part. So we always have like a big idea when I do a talk. This is the first part of the big idea. And it should really encourage you, because here it is, is that God has a vision for your life and he promises to make it happen. That if you and I begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we we do that. Then God commits to us and you may have a low vision for your life about what God really would do in your life and how much could really change. Um, you may think, man, I've ruined my life. I've made so many mistakes. It's over. You know, I, I'm never, you know, it's just there's it's, I'm beyond repair and all that. It, we may have a low vision for our life, but God has a very high vision for our life. In fact, this as as high as it gets, Philippians one, six, Paul says, and I am certain. Now, Paul then said, I really hope or I'm crossing my fingers. Now, he's certain because this represents a promise of God. And I'm certain that God who began his good work within you, this work of transformation, will continue his work until it is finally finished. He will work until it's finished. On the day when Christ Jesus returns, meaning one day Bible teaches that Jesus will return and take up those who believe to heaven. And so when we get to heaven our life, the work of transformation will be complete. Meaning God, the, God's purpose for us, what he wants to do in our lives, that better version of ourselves, actually perfect version of ourselves. In other places, the Bible says this is God's will for you, your perfection. It will be complete. Either if we die before he returns and go to heaven or when he returns, when we get to heaven. You and I are going to be awesome. We really are. We're going to be like better than better. We're going to be perfect versions of ourselves the way God originally intended. That might give you hope if you're married. (laughs) You know, look at your spouse right now and say, one day you're going to be better. Um, Don't do that. But but it's true. I mean, it, it will happen. But then and and how much we'll talk about, well, what about now? You know, but but in heaven, like that's going to happen. God is going to complete it. Now, that should that should really encourage us, because when God takes you on, when you and I Give our life, commit our lives to him, begin a relationship with him. He commits to us that he will begin a work in us and he will complete it. And it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's kind of like those TV shows. Um, and I don't know why I've, the channels I watch most often make no sense because they are. I, I watch the Food Network and HGTV more than anything else. And I don't like to cook. I don't like to do anything around the house. I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. But that's the way it is. And so one of those shows on HGTV is, uh, and I don't know why I picked up the golf club. One of those shows on HGTV is, uh, you know, the Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, down in Waco, Fixer Upper, right? They're all kind of similar, all those shows. But, you know, all those shows are kind of the same, right? They pick a house and it is kind of dumpy and you're like, oh, that's a terrible house. And it looks, you know, why did they choose that one? And then, of course, Chip and Joanna Gaines commit to it. They do their thing. And at the end, it's always the same, right? The um, the couple, if you notice, uh, they always say the same thing. It seems like three words. Oh, my God. Do you ever notice? They're always like, oh, my God. They always bring God into it when they see it. It's like God's up there like what? What did I do? I didn't do that. But anyway, it's like, oh, my God. And then they, and they see the house. and then A lot of times they start crying. This is so much better than I ever imagined. This is like better than my dream. House. And they're like all oh, that. And it's like this moment, you know, And it's like, oh, that's so cool. But you're never going to see an episode, right, where it's not that, where they're like, oh, my God. What did you do to my house? Like, this is terrible. Like, I don't, you know, put it back. Like, you know, you're never going to have that happen, right? Because they're really good at what they do. And in this case, it's God. When he makes the opportunity, if we choose it, if we say, yeah, God, I'm yours. I, you know, do in me what you want. When we begin a relationship with him, he commits to us and he will complete it. And it's going to be awesome. In heaven will be great. But what about now? Well, notice he begins it now. But it asks, it kind of begs a question. And that is, well, then why doesn't God just do it now? <laughs> why didn't God, the, the minute we begin a relationship with him, the second, why didn't he just say, you know what? You're fixed. Poof. And we're like, perfect. You're like, wow. Because that'd be kind of cool. It's not the way it works. It's a process. So just hold that question. It's a good question. We're going to come back to it. Because the rest of this big idea that we're talking about today from Philippians about transformation is that it is a process. And you and I have a role to play in the process. That's the you know, we said God has a vision for your life. He promises to make it happen. Well, here's the other part. You and I are invited to take steps with him that set the pace of transformation that you and I are not just passive participants. It's not like a chip and Joanna Gaines. Hey, go away somewhere and come back. It's like, no, here's a hammer. Get to work. You know, like we're part of it. Here's the way Paul talks about it. Philippians two twelve. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. So submitting to God, taking the steps he wants us to take. That's been their track record. He said, not only in my presence when he was there, but now much more in my absence. He's hundreds of miles away. Hundreds of miles. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. So notice work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. So God is the one who works in us, but there's some things to work out. And by the way, when it talks about salvation, it's not just talking about you know, you can go to the bad place or the good place and salvation does not go to the bad place, go to the good place and your sins are forgiven. All That's true. But it, when the Bible talks about salvation, it's way bigger than that. It's it's, it's saving us from our sin, from our selfishness, from our ourselves. You, you could insert the word transformation since we're talking about that part of it in this message, what God wants to do in our life. So he says, continue to work out your salvation, the transformation that God has begun with fear and trembling For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we have a role to play. We are we work out what he is working in and he will give us the will, the motivation and the ability. But you and I have to work it out, which means to take steps of obedience to to uh, to walk with him into this new life. And it also says fear and trembling, which is like a little scary. It's like, wait a minute. What I like how afraid am I supposed to be? And it's not like a horror movie, Fear and Trembling. That's not what he's talking about. What it, the, the words are like reverential awe. It's like it's like being awed by the moment. And Think about it this way, like it, because God has taken us on and, and God is God. And so uh, which is pretty big stuff. Right. So realize how big of a deal this is. It'd be like if if Chip and Joanna, if you got on the show and they were going to redo your house. You know, if you like them, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, they're going to redo my house and I get to meet them and all this stuff. And you'd be like, whoa, this is amazing. You call all your friends, put it on Facebook, right? You'd be like, wow, it's amazing. And uh, in fact, we one of our campuses, our Woodbridge campus, when we bought it, we reached out to Chip and Joanna Gaines to see if they would do treat it as a fixer upper because it was a fixer upper. And we bought that campus and they rejected us. That's why I hate them. I think it's terrible. <laughs> no, I, I don't hate them. But uh, but no, we we did get rejected, though. But um, but we got another, you know, somebody else did it, did a great job. But right. It'd be like, wow, if they did it, wouldn't that be so cool? Well, in this case, what what Paul is saying is, hey, this isn't Chip and Joanna. This is God. The creator of everything. The one who's all powerful, all know, like God. Is given you and me the opportunity for our lives to be Remade. He's way better, way more impressive. And if we're up for it, he will take us on. And Paul is like, so don't screw it up. I mean, this is amazing and see it for what it is and then take steps, work it out like that's what it's talking about. Take steps with him. Um, listen to how Paul talks about it in the next chapter as he as he talks about his own growth and that he models it. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. What is that? His like perfection, all that God wants to do in his life. He said, I haven't arrived. Like he's like, I got a long way to go. I'm a work in progress and I got a lot of progress to go. But not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Meaning Jesus has taken hold of me. He said yes to this project. I want to take hold of that. I, I want as much of the heaven version of me now as I can get. I don't want to just be the same person I get to heaven and bing. I want to enjoy it now. Like, I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, look, I just keep taking steps with God. And, you know, when he says, I don't worry too much about the past. I mean, I have some past failures. I have some past successes. You know, I've, I've made good decisions. I made bad decisions. If we go through those well, we actually grow in all of them. And he said, so I just keep taking steps and I keep taking steps. That's why the most common way our relationship with God is talked about in the New Testament is walking with him, walking with God. That and God is always on the move, right? So we keep taking steps, and we keep. And, and God meets us in that step and grows us, and then we take another step. It's walking with Him. Now that phrase, walking with Him, and that thought, if He it is a pretty intimate invitation. It's like God coming to you and just saying, "Hey, you know what? Walk with me. Let's go on a walk. Just walk with me. Let's walk." And you interact, right? You talk, you relate. Just come on. Let's let's go on a walk. That's the most common phrase used. That's, that's, uh, and that gets us to that other question. Then why doesn't God just fix us, right? If we begin a relationship with him, why don't you just say, bam, you're fixed. You're perfect. Look at you. Why didn't he do that? Because you and I are not a project. You and I are a person. You and I are his children. He loves you and me. And it, this is about relationship. What he wants for you and me is to have a real relationship with him. To know him. Relationally. And, and it's in the process of walking with him, the process of transformation, the process of taking steps. And when we fail, falling forward to him and, and, and taking good steps where we meet is it is a walk with him. It is a relationship. And so in the process of transformation, becoming who he wants us to become, we actually grow in relationship with him as we take these steps. Now, it does beg the question, then, well, what steps Because, man, I need to change like I want to grow. So what are the steps? You tell me the steps, I'll do them, you know, and and it'd be kind of easy, right? If it was like a formula, if I could tell you, hey, here's the formula. No other church knows this. Nobody else knows this. But I'm going to tell you, that'd be cool to be able to say that. But I can't because there's no formula. There's no clear linear. You know, you do a plus B plus C and bam, it's going to happen. Or you know, sequential thing. First you do this and then you do this and then you, you know, this linear kind of, it just doesn't, it's not that clean because this is a relationship. We're broken people being made whole and we're going to have, sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. It just, that's the nature of of this journey with God of transformation. However, even though there's not like a clear formula, there are steps. We know that if we take, God will meet us there that catalyze movement, that catalyze growth. It's what we call around here, not just us or some churches that we are part of and relate to, too, that we, we call them the five faith catalysts, because even though there's not maybe a clear A plus B plus C, we know by looking at the Bible, by looking, hearing lots of people's stories about how people grow spiritually, that there are certain things that catalyze growth. And therefore, as we think about it, and I want you to think about, hey, what steps would God want me to take? Well, look here, because these are ways, these are things that God uses to catalyze faith. So let's talk about catalysts, because, and for some, for some of us, it's like, wow, it's been a while since I've thought about that word, high school chemistry or something, catalyst. So what's a catalyst? Well, remember, a catalyst is just something that you inject into a chemical, you inject into chemicals, or something you inject into an equation or whatever, that That creates movement. It creates a reaction. It causes a reaction. Something is the way it is. You throw a catalyst in it and all of a sudden it's different, right? It's going to make something happen, Uh, which is why I have this Diet Coke up here. Some of you know where I'm going because I have Mentos. And uh, like 20 years ago, remember that? This was a thing. I don't know who the first person was that figured this out. It was like some Diet Coke drinker who liked Mentos who must have had some reaction in, in their mouth or I don't know. And thought, huh. I wonder what would happen, but and uh, but and, and that tells you that life was simpler 20 years ago before the pandemic. Like this is the kind of stuff we worried about. I wonder what would happen if you put Mentos and Diet Coke. That's the kind of thing we got to worry about, right? Maybe one day we'll get back to a simple life like that. Won't we'll worry about Delta and Lambda and whatever else. So, um, so let's try. Uh, so, because some of you are new to this, and by the way, if you really want a reaction, the best way to do it take a whole thing, uh, put it in a food processor grind them up, make a tube and do it all at once. And it'll go like 30 feet. All right. But uh, and I was going to do it that way. But we have a uh, facility staff and technical staff that I really like and want to keep. And, you know, I didn't want to stretch it too much. So we're just going to put in just a few Mentos the way they are and see what happens. And, and uh, some of you are you've never seen this before. Some of you have. Here we go. Let's try to get up. All right. Pretty amazing, right? And for those of us who drink Diet Coke, you might be thinking, huh, that's not good. You know, I don't know. But um, I just live in denial. Don't worry about it. So, you know, so it, it's a, like the little mento is a catalyst, right? You stick the mento in. And it's like, wow, I didn't know that would happen. So let's talk about it. Let's, so what are the mentos for spiritual growth? Like what 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 is God used to catalyze movement in our life? To become the better people God wants us to become. And as I hear these, I want you to be starting to think about, man, what God, if if this is about steps toward you, then what step might you call me to do? So as I go through these, it's probably going to have something to do with one of these. So the first faith catalyst is practical Bible teaching. When people tell their story about how they grew, it's it's, everybody. At some point, we'll talk about applying the Bible to their life because because the, the Bible says about itself. I mean, this is God's revelation to us, his wisdom, that this is not some 2000 year old just dead book. That's li- the Bible says about itself, it's living and active and that God uses it like he's, he didn't just speak. He still uses it to speak into our hearts and lives and, and create w- movement and, and give wisdom. And the trick with the Bible is learn. It, the reason I say practical teaching It's not about knowing more Bible. Well, that's a good thing. But that by itself won't cause anything to happen. Good. It won't cause by itself. It will not cause spiritual transformation. In fact, Paul elsewhere said, yeah, if you just only grow in knowledge and don't apply it, you'll just become arrogant. You'll just become a jerk. And we don't want that. It's the trick is not only knowing it, but applying it, which is why Jesus said wise people are those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice. So it's about putting them into practice, which is why around here we emphasize putting into practice what God says, not just what God says, but putting into practice what God says. And so all of our teachers on stage, on our teaching team, uh, our small groups and Bible studies and stuff, it's about how do we apply what God says? And my guess is that's if you've grown spiritually, that's part of your story. Wow, I started going to this church that that really taught about just how to apply the Bible and started applying it to my life. I went to this Bible study or went to this thing. And that's part of the deal. Like uh, one example of that is this couple that um, well, I'm actually doing their wedding next weekend, which will get some of your attention because you've asked me to do your wedding. And I've had to say no, because I don't really do weddings because it doesn't fit into the way my calendar works. It doesn't work. It's a long time ago. The people that I report to the board was like, yeah, you can't do that anymore because you don't have a day off. And, and if you don't do that and so you, you got to have, you know, just try to take it out. So can't, I don't do weddings. So I I may have told, you no. And we have other pastors who are awesome and they are really good at it. And that's you know part of what they do. But I don't. And so you may be kind of a little upset right now because you're thinking, wait a minute. You said yes to somebody because you said you're doing it next weekend. You said no to me. Why is that? Well, two things are unique about next weekend. One is the weddings in Aspen, Colorado. (laughs) So just saying you may want to ratchet it up. A little. And I, no, I'm kidding. That's not, that's not, it is an asthma, but that's not the reason it's, it's part of my family. So they're like extended family and a family members. That. Of course, I'm going to try to do that. Right. And, uh, and so it's part of my extended family, but extended enough that, that I didn't know they were chase okers because they live in California. And, and they reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I don't think you really know this, but we're chase okers. And like a year and a half ago when the pandemic started, we decided And we're going to go to Chase Oaks online and I mean, we watch every week and then we go to lunch afterwards and we talk about the message about how to apply it. And like, hey, how are we going to live today, this week? Whatever, wherever, you know, how are we going to live differently because of this? And so, man, we've been doing that every week for a year and a half. And and our relationship with God, with each other, the way I view work, the way I mean, I don't know how to tell you this adequately, but like we're different people, like we're different people, like we're totally different people than we were a year and a half ago. And of course, that has nothing to do with me or the teaching It's it's just the practicality of the Bible. Right. When you when you approach it that way, it's one of the faith catalysts. Another one is providential relationships. Those are relationships of people providential because God will put people in our lives uh, and that are that help us grow. You know, if some of you are, are teenagers and you probably get tired of adults telling you, uh, talking to you about your friends and I'm, I'm a little concerned about your friends or whatever, right? And you're like, just leave me alone and you, you know, just be with your friends. And you know, you just like, after a while you're like, man, I don't, but the reason is because, you know, you, you've, you live long enough to look back and realize, yeah, friends are a really big deal. Because whoever you spend the most time with, that's who you're going to become. That's just the way it works. It's the way, We're wired is that we're that influenced by our peers, by our friends. And so therefore, the Bible talks about this, that be careful who you choose as your closest friend. It doesn't mean, you know, I mean, we should have broad relationships and be great, you know, nice. We should have broad relationships, But then we better have a core of people who will help us get and become to get to where God wants us to go for a Christian or be who God wants us to be. I mean, that's the only way it'll happen. But the weird thing is, as adults, often we act like it's just about teenagers it's like we outgrow that or something. And we don't. We never outgrow that. It's always true. It doesn't matter whether you're 16 or 116. It works the same way. We grow in the context of community. We don't grow by ourselves. And therefore, you know, as we talk, that's why our church is built around this concept. It's built around small groups. You don't even become a member of our church. You become a member of a group. Right. So we're so you, you join a group and you help each other grow and you encourage each other. And so let me. Encourage you if you're not in a group. Perfect time right now at all of our campuses to get in one as they're forming. If you're in a group, show up and, and be a, and, and engage in a way that, you, that will lead to growth. Uh, another one is private disciplines. Another faith catalyst. Another mento to throw into the diet coke of your life. A faith is, is private disciplines, which is, what is that? That just means decisions you make, these activities that you choose, disciplines, because they're not natural and they take discipline. Things that you do in your relationship alone with God that really help you grow. For example, sometimes people will say, oh, man, I had the best time with God today. If you hang around Christians very long, you'll hear somebody say, I had the best time with God today. And you might be like, good for you. But what does that mean? Like, did he come down here? You know, did you like he just poof, he appeared and you're like, like, what does that even mean? And what that means, what people mean is usually two disciplines, uh, prayer and reading the Bible. So they, man, they spent time talking with God in prayer and they opened up their Bible on their own and just said, man, God, speak to me. And, and they got something out of it. they were real excited about and going to apply it in their life. And right. Those are two disciplines. But and then maybe you've tried that. And, you know, so you, you open your Bible and, and it goes to Leviticus four and you're like, yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. I guess some about lobsters. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. And, uh, or, um, or you try to pray, right? And, and you think, okay, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. And after about a minute, you know, if you're like me, I, I, get distracted if I don't have some kind of guide. And so it takes about a minute for me in prayer to get distracted. And I'm thinking, Oh yeah, Alabama game, Miami, 2.30 on September the 4th, kicking off the season, you know. So, Wait a minute. I'm praying, you know, it's like I just, you know, so, um, so if you're, you know, it's not like we're born knowing how to do this stuff. So, um, so that's why we're coming out with a new app that is a spiritual growth app. So it's called Chase Oaks Go. And Chase Oaks Go will help you take steps that we're talking about, all the steps we're talking about, but will also help you in personal discipline. And just spend time with God. There'll be a guide, a daily guide of how to pray that day. Just guide us in prayer, guide us in getting something out of the Bible, uh, for, that we can take with us. Um, so look for that. That'll be launched here in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's other disciplines too. Uh, solitude, just being quiet before God. Um, another discipline is fasting. That's where you go through your day really fast. If anybody tries to slow you down, you say, "Sorry, I'm fasting." I'm gonna go real. That's not fasting, but you can Google fasting. Um, giving financially is a discipline. That's a hard one, but it will grow you. It'll, it'll grow you more than you can imagine. The Bible tells us that, like it is a, dis- it's not natural, natural thing to spend money. But Bible says, no, build your budget around generosity and take the first part of your first percentage and give it, and then watch how God grows your faith, grows your focus and responds. Well, that's a discipline, right? So there's the all these disciplines. Um, so private disciplines four, personal ministry. That's when you engage ministry. You say, I, "I don't. I want to volunteer in the church or in the community. I want to engage." And anybody who's done that would say, "Oh man, I get so much more out of that than I, you know, because God grows us in that." Like I remember the first, per, the first time I volunteered ministry, I was junior high, and for some reason I decided to uh, sign up to work with children in children's ministry at this church I was going to, and I was brand new. Like I was brand new to Jesus. I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And, but I signed up, but the good news is I was an assistant. So there was like a teacher with these kids. And then I was an assistant. So I'm thinking assistant just means you don't have to do anything. You show up, look pretty leave. Like you don't, but you don't really do anything because you're, you're an assistant, right? That's that was wrong as it turned out. So uh, the teacher's teaching. So she does a little Bible lesson, you know, with these kids. But toward the end, she does this prayer thing, and she says, hey, if, if any of you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, and the way she said it is, if you want to ask Jesus to be your Savior, talking about save for the punishment for sin, if you want Jesus to be your Savior, and I think she added, and come into your, what I would say life, but come into your heart, raise your hand, and, and if you, and, and Jeff, the assistant, well, he'll go, he'll take you to the back of the room and just help you take that step. I'm thinking, Jeff, who? You know, like, who are we talking about here? Because I'm not doing that. Like, I have no idea what to do. Like, I don't know. And and this, and I was just like, oh God, please, nobody raise their hand. And this girl raised her hand. This little seven-year-old girl. And I was like, oh, crud. You know, so, so I'm walking back with this little girl, thinking. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, I, I'm going to screw this up. Like for the rest, of I mean, her eternity. I mean, I, this is a big deal, and I don't, I, mean, I don't want to screw it up. I don't know what to do though. And so I, I said that we sit on the floor. And, and she's just looking at me full of trust. Like, and I'm like, you have no idea who you're looking at. And I and so I was like, so um, why would you come back here? Why would you raise your hand? And she said, well, she said that if I wanted to ask Jesus to be my savior and him to come into my heart that I raised. And so I, I that's what I want to do is ask him to. And you know, it's like, oh, OK, so, yeah, that makes sense. So you're going to ask him. So it means like prayer, right? Because I didn't know. I just hadn't thought about it. So I was like, like, pray, like, and ask him. And she said, yeah, I think so. So I was like, good. Then why don't you do that? You pray and you ask him to be your savior, come into your heart, like you said. And then when you finish praying, just tell me what happened. So she prays, you know, and then I said, well, what happened? And she said, oh. Well, just like she said, I, I asked Jesus to be my savior and come into my heart. And that's what he did. And then she went on. She had a big imagination and she must've been watching a lot of mafia movies. Cause here's what she said. She said, because God came in his big black Cadillac and he opened the trunk and he pulled out these big trash bags and he put all my sin, all my sins in these big trash bags. And he drove them to the ocean and he threw them in the ocean and nobody will ever see him again. <laughs> I mean, she'd been seeing some movie, but at the same time, it's not a bad picture, you know, of what God does and what God did. You know, he says or he throws our sins as far as the East is from the West. We'll see him. No. So it's like, but OK, so that happened. Right. And that was a long time ago. So she's that little girl. I, I don't I have no idea where she is, but she's not a little girl anymore. She's in her 40s now and I don't know anything about her, but I do know she knows Jesus. And that I had a very small, stumbly, awkward part to play in that. Because that's what God does. He uses small, stumbly, awkward people to do what he does. And I and I grew and it definitely made me want to go. I got to know more. (laughs) I got to I got to figure some things out and help me grow. Another one is pivotal circumstances. Those are big events that happen in our life. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but they're pivotal. They're either going to propel us toward God or away from God like difficult things that happen in life. You lose a job, you lose a loved one, you face a sickness, you, your marriage falls apart or a dating relationship falls apart. And how you go through that will either grow you, your trans, you know, relationship with God transformation, or it'll repulse you away from God, depending on how you handle. But if you, if you take steps toward God in those moments and you take your grief or your fear, your anxiety to God and lean on him, you're going to grow in a way that you Way bigger than anything else. These other catalysts, or sometimes really good things, like you—you you get this job you wanted, but it's stretching, and you have to rely on God, or you—you you maybe get married, or you have a little baby. That'll grow you. You get a, this little tiny thing looking at you, and their whole life, and their whole future, you feel like is counting on you. There's looking up at you, and you're like, "Oh no, <laughs> what did I do? Like, how am I gonna? I don't want to ruin this kid." You know, so it makes you grow. And so those are pivotal circumstances. Some of you are right in one of those pivotal circumstances and they may be difficult. They may be easy, but man, they're powerful depending on how we go through them. So that's the five faith catalyst. So to put all this together, this is the good news. God has a vision for your life. He promises to make it happen. You and I are invited to take steps with him that set the pace of transformation That if you and I begin a relationship with Jesus and I'm not all of you are there ready for that yet. But once we do, he takes us on not just as a project, but as a person that he loves and wants to transform from the inside out and he will complete it. How much of that in this life we enjoy, we help set the pace of as we either take steps or not. So I want us all to identify a step wherever we're at on our journey. Um, I want I don't want you to think about 10 steps or 20 steps, but just think one. What's one step that you say, God, I want to get better. So what's one step I could take? And we're going to go to God with that in prayer. And it may have something to do, probably will, with one of these faith catalysts that we've been talking about. Practical Bible teaching, providential relationships, private disciplines, personal ministry, pivotal circumstance. It probably has something to do with that. It may be something else. Uh, You know, it, it may be, man, I just need to get back on the train like I'm. I just need to I'm, I need to leave some sin and some pattern in my life and move toward. OK, that's cool, too. Whatever it is, just let's think about a step as we go to God in prayer. Let's bow our heads together. And like I always say, prayer is just talking to God in our own words. He's your father. He loves you. Like you don't have to use special flowery Jesus word, you know, church words or have somebody else do it for you because you're going to blow it. There's no way to blow it. God is your father. He loves you. He just wants you to talk to him. And, and I invite you just to ask God right now to speak into your mind, speak into your heart. to say, God, what step is next for me? Because I don't want to be stuck. So I, I want to continue to walk with you. So what is a good next step for me? One next step. And if God has put something on your heart, I would encourage you to. then just ask him to help you actually pull it off, to actually follow through, because what we heard earlier, he will work in us to both will and to work. So sometimes, at least for me, I know what I should do, the step, but I sort of don't want to. And he will help us want to. He will give us even the will. So just say, God. You know me, I may not do this on my own, and I need you to motivate me. To I, I, need, I want the will and the ability to follow through to act. And I believe God will honor that. So, Father, thank you that you, uh, you take us as we are, and then you just love us to become somebody better. And I thank you for your vision for us. And just help us open up our life to you and take the steps you're calling us to take. In Jesus' name. Amen.